Anxious to step through the gate again, Major? Yes, I am. We all are. Would you like us to bring back anything special? Uh, no, thanks. Groceries, new outfit, flatware? Hmm. No, just yourselves in one piece, please. Dial it up. You say. Welcome to the Jumping Puddles podcast. Be sure to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or YouTube. And follow us at Jumping Puddles Podcast on Tumblr and Instagram. And Jumping Pud Pod on Twitter. Hi, I'm American Sam. And with me are my fellow co-hosts, Thor and Ash. Hi! <laughs> and this week, we're talking about The Siege Part 2. All hope seems lost until Colonel Everett arrives suddenly from Earth. He's determined to defend the city until the arrival of a ZPM, brought to Atlantis by a new ship, the Daedalus. Soon, the Wraith fleet arrives to seize the city, launching waves of darts and beaming soldiers down to the city, forcing the expedition to launch an epic battle to stop the city from falling into the hands of the Wraith. Dun dun dun! <laughs> Yay! At the tail end of it! <laughs> Man. It's a finale. Well, we were, yeah, we made it, guys. Our first finale. Insane. Oh Stop. I always forget that this is the finale because the siege part three. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, we made it. It only took us almost a year. Ten a year? months? Yeah. yeah, nine months. Oh, oh yay. <laughs> Didn't we start in January? Oh no, we recorded earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, no need to know that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's, been, it's been so many months and we finally made it. Yeah. That was secret insider information that you guys just got. <laughs> Ooh, because everyone's so curious about our behind the scenes. <laughs> okay, um, I'm just gonna jump right in. And say that fuck Colonel Everett. Yeah, okay. What What a piece of shit. (laughs) I think it's so mean that they had named this guy Everett and then another colonel's gonna come and his name is Ellis. Like, no, too close, too similar names. My mind, my brain. I always get confused because it's Colonel Everett Young in universe. I was saying that that's so weird. Why would they name him Everett Young? Well, I guess... Well, is this guy's first name or last name Everett? Last name. Last name. It's Colonel Everett. Okay, because isn't it Colonel Everett Young for universe? Yeah, so it Young is. is. Oh, so it's just oh, they flipped it. Why? Why does Young have two last names as a first no. name? <laughs> Everett is his first name, but I don't know. In my brain, he's Everett Young, so I have the name Everett more. Um, associated with Young than with Colonel Everett from Atlantis. Understandable. Really? Okay. Because <laughs> I always call him like Young. Like I always forget his name is Everett. So when they like brought Everett up or this guy came in the picture, I was like, why are there two of you? I was like, yeah, that's so weird. Why would they name him? There's no other military sounding names? <laughs> no. So Matthew Scott wasn't even taken yet. Like, come on. This is the perfect opportunity. <laughs> What's a more generic military name than that? And he has two first names. 
One guy has two what? first names. The other guy has two last names. <laughs> yeah, they, they really tried hard with naming the characters. He doesn't actually have two last names. It's just like both Everett and Young are like last name sounding. And so, oh, yeah. and then oh, Matt and okay. Scott are both first names sounding. <laughs> so, they really tried hard with the names on Universe, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't have like switched it like Matthew Everett and like Scott Young. That like, would make more what? sense. Yeah. Or Scott, because I feel like Matthew gives off Scott energy. So, like, Scott <laughs> Everett. Yeah, he does. And Matt Young. <laughs> like, the fact that his name is Matt, like, it makes me so mad. Like, Matthew. <laughs> Sorry to all the Matthews out there. But you as long as your cousins I have. <laughs> last name isn't Scott. <laughs> oh, no! Your cousins <laughs> uh, Don't listen to this. Uh, Taurus cousin. Um, I apologize. Um, no. <laughs> But you're fine as long as your last name isn't Scott. Like, the fact that his name is Matthew Scott, it's like, damn, your life sucked as a kid. Like, you... Anyways. Five minutes in already talking about you. That's <laughs> not hard! I already deviated so off the path. Um, yeah, no, Everett sucks. This Everett. Yeah. Actually, both Everett's. But this one in particular. <laughs> yep. Okay. <clears throat> Actually... Here- <laughs> I oh, have yeah, something go, to go, say go. about Everett, or about okay. um, about Colonel Everett from Atlantis, <laughs> um, or uh, his entrance. Um, I think it's so interesting that um, we are one season, like one full season into Atlantis now, and this is the first time that we see the SGC um, interacting with them. And I think um just the entrance of um the colonel and all the marines is um kind of like a clash of the two now by now i'm gonna say established um shows we have um atlantis who's much more civilian thank you (laughs) and then we have the sgc or sg1 coming in not sg1 as in the team but the show coming in and it's very military, and I thought it was a nice con- contrast, and maybe I'm <laughs> interpreting uh, too much into that, but I thought it was, yeah, just um, a bit of Atlantis meets SG-1. That's that's a great point. Honestly, <laughs> the first thing I wrote down was, yay, the SGC came along. Yay! Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. I'm, I I will say this about Everett. He came in with a plan. I like that he came in with a plan. Did he have to be so fucking condescending about it? No. Did he have to be a fucking asshole about it? No. He didn't need to do all that. But I like that he came in and he was like, girl, we brought rail guns. We brought Napa to Mark II generator. He was like, call your people back. We're going to like defend it. I like that because I think it's so interesting that like Elizabeth and John were like, and Rodney, you know, they all did the little code thing in the meeting. They were so ready to just, like, blow up Atlantis, give up, get stranded in the Pegasus galaxy forever um, until that just came along. But, yeah, I don't know. Mm, it, it sort of feels strange to see the SGC back in such, like, a like a heavy, like, a heavy presence. Like, it, it def- you definitely feel, like, how Elizabeth and everyone must have felt, just being, like, 
taken back and being like, well, include me in this bitch. Like, if you're going to defend the city, you have to include me. Um, so, yeah, mixed emotions with SGC coming back in. Yeah, you're, you're so you hit the nail on the head when you said mixed emotions because I felt like it was it was so bizarre. Um, it felt like very two very different worlds colliding and they like try to make Everett sympathetic and not so much of an asshole like um he lets I say in quotations he lets Taylor and the Athosians uh help man the city and search for Wraith when the Wraith are like in the city um so he wasn't an asshole to her and he was like oh you know sorry you lost people in the fight against the wraith which was nice he's doing the bare minimum like the bar is on the floor um and you know like recognizing when elizabeth has done something extremely amazing and cool and he like acknowledges her skill which okay fine but like i don't like you <laughs> And my gut instinct is to hold on to that, like, I don't like you feeling. Um, and I think especially it's interesting in contrast with John, who is our representative, quote unquote, of the military in Atlantis and how different um, Everett is to John and how we could have had a very different Atlantis um, if someone like Colonel Everett or Colonel Sumner was in charge of the military. Uh, look no further than universe. <laughs> <laughs> Not to bring it up again, but that's that's the difference. You can compare those two, you know, that's what would have happened if John wasn't the leader of Atlantis. We would have gotten a seasoned colonel with who knows what kind of issues and a heavy, <laughs> a heavy military presence that would have just completely, you know, pushed we're out of the way most likely yeah and i that's um yes they try to make everett more sympathetic um towards the end of the episode like, or like in the second half and then in season uh, in the speech part three as well but i won't forgive him but for being so dismissive of <clears throat> the woman <laughs> of um elizabeth as the leader i guess he had a plan but he he wasn't there he didn't he knew the situation on paper but not the real deal and um yes this is now a military operation um as long as they're defending atlantis but i think it's such a stupid idea um like we hear that voice later by john um, but it's such a stupid idea to just cut Elizabeth completely out of the loop. It's just stupid and it's dismissive. And yes, later he um, acknowledges um, what she's done. But I kept thinking he he wouldn't have been this dismissive of her if she had been a man, even if if she had been uh, if if she had been a civilian man. And that annoys me a lot. And same with Taylor. Like, what the fuck? How? After everything he supposedly read in the report um, about Taylor, how can he still think that she's not valuable for defending the city? 
Yeah, I just felt I'm like lost for words. <laughs> that entire scene was so bizarre because I was like, why is Taylor just sparring in the gym when the Wraith are on the way? Like, why are you just sparring randomly in the gym? Like, shouldn't you be, I don't know, getting armed with everybody else? Like, it was just really strange to me that that was happening. I want to bring up um, something that Ash said, because you mentioned that, like, he was like, I read the reports, like, front and back, or whatever the hell he said. And, okay, first of all, if he read the reports front and back, like, he, why would he, like, basically, like, come at John? You know, I'm skipping ahead, but there's that scene of John and Everett talking in the ancient history room, which I love, and they did not bring it up enough. I freaking love that room. Um, <laughs> um, and so they're talking, and he basically just comes straight at John, and he's like, you like Colonel Summer die? Me, 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 me. And it's like, okay, if you read the damn report, sir, then you would know that, like, the Wraith are, like, obviously, like, so much more powerful, and, like, John could have done nothing. You know, like, I'm not even, this isn't the John standing me talking. John could literally do nothing in that situation, except kill the poor man. Okay, so let the man out of his misery. <laughs> he's gonna spend the rest of like his two years in a convalescence home like no like just let if he doesn't want to like he or he could have like literally just been sucked out even more like no it's fine and so I think it's really interesting that they threw in that line where he's like I read the reports and then he you know is so rude to Taylor and he comes at John so it's like you literally what reports did you read <laughs> like he he picked and you know, chose his reports, and he did not read everything, because if he did, I think he would have come in with a better understanding of, first of all, yeah, how to treat the people in charge, but also how to treat, you know, how to forgive. It's about forgiveness. <laughs> he would have come in with a healthier attitude, and then we wouldn't have seen this man get eaten up at the end of the episode. But no, karma, bitch. Karma. Yeah, and John says exactly what Ash was saying, with all due respect, sir, you weren't there. Like, would he have the balls to do what John did in that situation? Like, it takes a lot to to do that. And I'm wondering, you know, with that kind of attitude. Yeah, and, and John mentions that it's still haunting him until that day. And I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, I get it, and it's very understandable, but I think it's interesting that they bring it up again. I think it shows that other things he does, um, whether they are good or bad, um, in quotation marks, um, he they don't let him go. They just stick with him, and all the like, all his he has his demons. <laughs> Exactly. And Sumner is one of them. I love that you said that. Because it's so true. Like, it's sort of like, especially in these early seasons, you know, where he's, like, more of the typical fly boy that I love. Um, <laughs> but you see these little moments of him, like, kind of, like, peeking back or peeling back the curtain, you know? And showing me, like, hey, no, I'm actually really still traumatized by this. Or I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about how I could have changed it, you know? And it's something that is going to come up repeatedly with John. You know, it's something that you just, he reveals the curtain more and more. And you just see like, oh my God, this man has like closets, stuff filled of trauma, you know. And eventually it gets to the point where you don't even see the flyboy 
persona. You just see the traumatized man. Um, but in the beginning, it's really nice that, you know, at the end, they kind of have that callback to the pilot and show, like, hey, he actually is still dealing with the repercussions of his actions. I want to go back to to uh, Everett again, just a second, um, because I said I said earlier that um, he treats women so shitty, and it's not just them. He also like he treats everybody sh he treats everybody shitty who's not his team, but um, especially is Elizabeth Taylor and later Rodney, and I think it's so interesting that in the beginning Rodney is not part of the briefing. And it's just, it's a completely militaristic um, operation by now. And Rodney says how stupid that is, um, that or that he, he should be in that meeting and that in the end it's going to um, be the scientists who are going to save them. And exactly that happens later because the plan, uh, Everett's plan, fails. And then they turn to the scientists and... Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't glad that that happened, but I was glad that um, Rodney got to say, or got to call it. Yeah, I really enjoyed how um, everyone sort of closed ranks around Elizabeth and nobody was like on Everett's team at all. Like none of the Atlantis expedition, um, which makes sense, right? Like John in the beginning, he was like, with all due respect, like answer her questions. Everyone respects and trusts Elizabeth on the base, and by cutting her out of the situation, you are alienating literally everybody in the expedition because everybody trusts and respects her. And also, it's a majority, which we learned in a couple episodes back, it's majority of the people in the expedition are civilians. Um, and so they're not going to take kindly to, you know these military guys coming in and then all of a sudden they have to defer to him and like tell him what they're doing or like listen to what he says. It's very, very backwards in a sort of panic situation. And one part that I really enjoyed in particular was, um, I can't remember what had, had just happened, but uh, Rodney had found this new piece of information and he goes into the gate room and talks right to Elizabeth. He, like, turns his back on Everett and is like, Elizabeth, this happened. And, like, Everett's making, like, nasty comments in the background. And he's, like, rolling his eyes and continuing to talk to Elizabeth. And I just love that. Like, it's just clear, um, you know, in his actions that he has no respect uh, <laughs> for this random military dude who just came in and tried to steal the show. And... To him, and I'm sure the rest of the scientists, Elizabeth is still in charge. I love that you mentioned that because we had some great, 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 great Elizabeth and Rodney crumbs. And I am so scared to see if those crumbs are in season two. Um, <laughs> there's that also really great crumb. I think it's, I think it's right when, um, oh man, I can't remember where it is exactly, but he's like complaining um, I think to Everett about like being left out, and he's like, "Well, like the scientists have to save the day as always," and he's fully like rant, like starting his like tantrum, and Elizabeth's just like Rodney, and he's like, he he, he, and he like reins it back in and like talks normally. But I think it's so cute that like all she has to do is say like Rodney and give him like a look, and he's like, 
right, okay. Like, Elizabeth is, like, one of the only people that, like, knows how to handle Rodney. And that sounds kind of, like, handle. But, like, she knows, like, how to, you know, like, rein him back in or when to let him go. And it just really calls back to that line um, in Trinity where she's, like, sometimes you have to protect Rodney from himself. And it's, like, oh, she knows how to do it. Only her and, well, sometimes not even John, honestly. I'd say Elizabeth is number one Rodney handler. And no one in the SGC could do it. But she did it, bitch. She did it. And, like, they still have so much respect and, like, friendship for each other. So it's, ah, it's just so wholesome. And I just love seeing those little moments. Yeah, I love that one, too. And there's one, I don't even know if it's a crumb or even less. But it's um, right after um, the all the Marines came in and um, Everett gave all his orders and stuff and just leaves Elizabeth basically standing there. And Rodney stands a bit behind her and kind of looks at her and looks at uh, Everett. And I don't know, now, now thinking about it, I think, it's, it's it was probably just locking or just how the scene was set up but I feel like he was just he had her back like visually <laughs> uh without even saying anything and yeah I think even there you can see without him saying anything that he's not uh, that he's yeah not supportive of um Everett and everybody still reports to to <laughs> to Elizabeth I love that okay there's something really cute. <laughs> so I think it was Tor. I want to say it was Tor. Ash, if it was you, I'm so sorry. Um, but I think Tor brought up... I'm just going to give credit to both of you. One of you guys brought up the idea that... Uh, or the observation that Ford is, like, really into weapons. Or, like, he's a weapons guy. Okay, yeah. Because we get another crumb. And, like, again, because you brought that up, I caught that crumb. It's so cute. Where um, Everett is talking to Ford about the real guns. And he gets the biggest smile on his face. He's like, real guns? And he's already, like, Everett's explaining to them how they work. And, like, the camera's already moving on to, like, John or something like that. But you just see this like, Ford's big smile, like, from the corner of the screen. And I thought that was so cute. I wonder, you know whether or not it was uh, an intentional part of his personality or if it was just uh, a rainbow taking that uh, extra initiative. But either way, he loves his weapons. It was so cute. And he got to fire one of them later as well. <laughs> and yeah, and I said that too. And he was so uncomfortable during the um, one... Um, meeting scene when um i think it's right after the scene that you just mentioned after he um everett explains the new weapon to him and john and elizabeth come in and they have this kind of back and forth <laughs> um that that john is not obeying all his orders and and stuff and that they they should um, keep Elizabeth in the loop and stuff. And um, Ford looked so uncomfortable the whole time because I think he's very um, in between the two worlds, I feel like. He's still very... He, he, eh, yeah, he's a military guy and um, he's still very much on, like, chain of command, I feel like. And um, he does respect Elizabeth, but... I feel like he has maybe more respect for the military than for the civilian leadership. Um, so yeah, I felt like from him, I got a lot of 
uncomfortable feelings in that scene, like, okay, which side do I choose? Yeah, definitely. We've definitely seen the past him sympathizing with Bates um, and um, certain uh, more military-minded uh, reasoning in meetings, like when they were talking about stealing uh, ZPM from children. <laughs> so <laughs> I get what you mean, for sure. But I did enjoy um, Ford's little brother energy shine through in this episode a little bit when they were hunting down the wraith that had crashed into the city. Um, John had been using Ford as bait to... <laughs> To pick off Wraith, which I thought was so funny, because of course he made Ford be the one, and not him. Oh man, I think it's times like these that I think they really emphasize um, how young he is. I think that works really well, because again, I think he does have that, you know, conflict within him about whether he should listen to the military or Elizabeth, and you know, he kind of sides more with the military, and I think it's because he's so young, you know? He probably joined, oh Lord, like 18, 19. So he's, you know, he started so young and he's probably so ingrained in the culture by now that I think, you know, I wonder that if he was on the show for longer, I think eventually we would have seen him kind of adapt more of John's laid back military personality style. And I think we would have seen him defending Elizabeth's a lot more and it kind of sucks that we didn't get to see that growth because I think it would have been really interesting to see him kind of struggle with who his identity is and then eventually just be like hey uh I choose Atlantis I choose the civilians um so that sucks but no his little brother energy is so good in this um and it was sad though that we didn't get a Rodney and Ford crumb so that would have made it better but I still I love a good John and Ford, but it's gonna hurt because you know the next scenes with Ford. Oh no! Not ready. Oh, yeah. Oh no! I forgot what a huge cliffhanger this episode is, um, because I I didn't watch it when it aired. I watched it uh, straight on DVD. So when there was a, a season finale, I just went on to the next episode and and watched it. And, Holy crap, um, how, how they just left them hanging there like that, with, like, John is flying the jumper into the Wraith ship, Ford is surrounded by, by Wraith, I don't know who all the other, where the, all, all the other guys is, we don't know what happened to Taylor, Taylor, oh gosh, okay, I have to mention this, because this is so Taylor with uh, but there's the scene where um, Elizabeth tries to reach Taylor over the radio and Taylor doesn't answer. Elizabeth calls her name multiple times and it's like getting like more desperate and desperate. And I, it's so horrible because we have no clue what's going on with Taylor and where she is. I don't even remember where she is right now. She's probably somewhere else. But yeah, it's just, it's such a everything looks horrible yeah no i i agree i was watching this and i was like this is in some insane finale shit like this is some like this is up there with like i mean easily this is probably you know at least in my opinion i don't think there is better finale in um the franchise i don't know the tension of all three episodes for me just really hits 
But especially I think this cliffhanger, like watching this while it was airing must have been insane. And I honestly like, I would put this up there like in the Hall of Fame of maybe even, I feel like this is another conversation, but I feel like Atlantis itself maybe should get more recognition for all of its really good sci-fi moments. I don't know how often it's included in the whole, like, in its legacy of, like, sci-fi or whatever. But, like, I would put this up there with some great, like, DS9 finales. Like, this is some, like, maybe not as intense as The Way of the Warrior. But, like, this is some great, like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And, like, the tension and the build-up and, again, the cliffhanger. And I think, again, the the three-parter really, like helps flesh it out even though i know we kind of talked about the first part not being as necessarily you know it could have been named something else it didn't have to be part of the three-parter necessarily but i'm honestly glad it is because i think it just flows really well together yeah like they as a viewer not knowing what happened when uh the show came back like they could have for sure written john off the show they had this a bunch of new military guys come in just recently and so he could have really died in this finale and people would be on the edge of their seat wondering like, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? So yeah, I think it's, it's great. Uh, and the whole lead up to the ending as well. is just great and filled with great character moments too. Um, I like that. They're like, Oh, we can, we've figured out how to remote fly the jumper. It's totally going to work. And then when they actually get John in the chair to do it, and it doesn't, and he has to make that split-second decision to sacrifice himself to save everybody, and he just goes. Like, he doesn't even hesitate. He's like, oh, it's not working? Okay, bye, Rodney! And, like, runs out of the room. Um, And there's a reason the so long Rodney line is iconic, uh, I feel like, in Atlantis fandom. It's just so, um, the way he says it is so nonchalant and, like, so, so, so very John. I feel like in that moment, um, just embodies completely, uh, his character. And then we get Rodney's reaction to him going on the suicide mission, uh, which is interesting because I feel like throughout the season, they've been growing closer as friends and, um, this sort of odd couple, uh, military nerd mashup where we would never be friends on earth. Um, but we're kind of stuck together in this situation and now like, you're kind of my buddy and I don't want you to die in a horrible nuclear explosion with a bunch of aliens. And I think that was clear from Ronnie's reaction. And then John in the gate room with Elizabeth as well, um, they have this whole rapport, and I feel like their relationship sort of came to a head in this episode as well, where John was standing behind Elizabeth the whole time, really showing his respect for her um, and trust in her, And I just thought that the whole exchange in the gate room was super interesting, too. Like, um, he sort of asked her permission, in a way. And I feel like if she said no, he would have still gone. But he gave, like, her the courtesy of, like, being, like, stopping and, and checking her reaction to what he was about to do. And then on the flip side, uh, Elizabeth having to be in a position to make that call. Like, this is someone she's worked with, someone she's grown a friendship with over the course of, a, like, a year, and she has to send him to his death to save everybody else. Um, and just goes to show you only one of the very many moments in this episode that shows you her strength of character. 
um, and what a tough spot she's in as the leader of the expedition. Um, a leader of people who she's friends with, but she also has to use like a tactician. So yeah, just a excellent, excellent build up to the finale. Excellent character moments. Loved it. That was so good, Tori. That was so good. Holy shit. <laughs> There's about like ten different conversations we can go off just about everything you said. I'm sorry. No, that was good. Don't don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know. I just want to mention the tale of the part really quick. We'll start from the tale of the. We'll start from the first thing and then go work our way down. The tale of the part. There was some excellent crumbs that I was unaware of. Oh my god, that one crumb. It. Had me screaming that one part where the military guy is like holding Taylor and like not letting her up, and she's like calling Elizabeth, and Elizabeth comes up like, oh, guys, um, that scene is like AU worthy. Why is that not like one of their most popular scenes? Like that needs to be in every fic ever. I love that. I'm like, oh my god, it's like the separated by like. Not by family. But it's like it's giving Romeo and Juliet kind of like the whole like they're being separated by culture and stuff. And like Taylor, but Taylor on the floor looking up at Elizabeth in the balcony, and like oh, I just was thinking like, sorry, not to switch to my arranged marriage um problem, but like <laughs> arranged marriage. Like imagine like you know I said this a while ago, but um had an idea about arranged marriage, different cultures, so they have to get married and stuff. But like this would have been, oh, this is the perfect scene for the climax of where they both think that like, okay, we've managed to like overcome like our initial like problems. Like we're, we're working, this marriage is good. And then something goes wrong and the treaty is like basically broken. And Taylor's trying to like communicate with Elizabeth and she's being held back. And Elizabeth's like, she thinks Taylor is like me like, doing something else or there's like miscommunication involved so she turns away from her and then Taylor thinks like oh so she's turning away from me and our relationship this is just so that scene just brought out like everything inside of me and I was like I don't this is amazing this is one of my favorite Taylor Bell scenes I think it's so delicious the angst potential the drama it's amazing thank you exactly it's the it's the angst I want like I need I need some angst I need some extra flavor sometimes some spice i need some like you know fighting sometimes and this is like the perfect like oh this is so good that uh that scene hurt me so much because um for many reasons like taylor Beth, obviously but also just for taylor herself being held back physically not being allowed to go in a fucking gate room to be with her team and um it's just, it's cruel. It's it's straight up cruel just to hold her back like that. And yeah, that scene, her calling Elizabeth's name and Elizabeth answering it's, so much. <clears throat> and there's another Taylor Beth um, crumb um, that I want to mention. It's uh, when Elizabeth gives her little speech, which I love, <laughs> and Taylor Beth stays with her she's she's um like in the shot with her a lot and i i really really just just like it that she's there with her and um i think it's a very pretty picture yeah you, thank you for bringing it up because i almost forgot first of all elizabeth's speech making skills excellent her our fate is in our own hands line is just 
amazing, always. She's always great at these speeches. That's why she's in charge. But yes, Elizabeth looking to Taylor at the end of her speech. And I don't know why, either for like strength, you know, for confirmation that she said the right thing. I don't know. I just love strong women backing each other up. And it was great. It was a great scene. I love that she was there for her in that moment. I love it. Most of their scenes are just like them exchanging little glances at each other. But I love finding new ones because I feel like they hit every time. Because they'll just, they're just constantly looking to each other, I feel like, for like support and like maybe like backup and maybe like, com you know, confirmation that like what they said was like okay and stuff. And I just think it's so cute that like whenever they're next to each other, you know, or even if they're like, you know, across the room or they're across the room, whatever. But whenever they're next to each other, it's so cute. They're just like looking at each other to make sure they're like, hey, we're good. We're on the same page. Yeah, we are. And if like unspoken you know and of course I wish it was spoken <laughs> at the writers but I will take um Tori and Rachel giving us these little crumbs of the romance and friendship of Tailbeth because we get to have these little moments where I don't think they were met in the script but they put them in the script and we're so grateful actually in the audio com commentary one of the directors, producers, whatever, I can never distinguish their voices, um, said <laughs> that it wasn't in the uh, in the first script that uh, Taylor stayed until the end of the speech, but they added that because they had the feeling that these two uh, had a very good relationship. They haven't had that um, time to explore yet. And I was like, yes, you're right about that. Are you going to do anything about it? So... They saw, they saw the potential as well and added this little crumb for us. <laughs> um, yep. I can't believe they saw that and then gave us nothing. Like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, because literally they gave us nothing. Because season two, I think, is the least amount of Talebeth we get. They did not just say that and then go into the least Talebeth we get. That's so evil. <laughs> it is. I know. Truly, I know. truly evil. Elizabeth crumbs. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think we talked about all of them now. <laughs> but they were there, and I'm so thankful for each and every one of them. Me too. Oh yeah, something. Um, Tor, you mentioned earlier that the so long Rodney was is so iconic, and to my shame, I have to admit that this was the first time that I caught it. I don't know why, but this was the first time I, 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 yeah. I, I realized what he was saying and um, I think because I was more focused at, on what came after that, the scene between um, Shepard and Elizabeth in, in the uh, control room, which is so emotional um, and uh, still kills me every time and I had a horrible thought of a parallel um, that scene where she says go and then cut to <laughs> Two seasons later, when she's like surrounded by replicators and she screams, go! And and he, like, this time he saves her and the other time he saves them. And I don't know why I do this to myself. <laughs> that was evil. Yeah. That's evil. Honestly devastating. But, um, sure, again, 
spinning off what you said earlier. Um, I think it's so interesting. Um, again, we see so many good qualities of Elizabeth, especially when you watch the jumper um, rising up and uh, closing in on the um, hive ship. And I think you can see Elizabeth's struggle the whole time. Like, she's having such a hard time. You're right, she probably couldn't have stopped him. He would have gone either way. Um, but, yeah, I think, I don't know. It just, I think it hurts her so much and that she probably going to lose him um, at this point. <laughs> Sorry, I just ripped out my headphones. Oh, no! <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That's how much we feel, um, guys. Our yeah. emotions. Just <laughs> rip off your headphones. <laughs> I'm, I'm using my hands to toggle, so <laughs> it was bound to happen. Yeah, uh, this whole scene and yeah, them watching and and Rodney being so incredulous um, towards Elizabeth um, that she let him go. And um, I don't think he's blaming her, but he's like, he, he can't believe it. It's, it's just so, they are all just like, oh, fuck, what have we done? Couldn't we have stopped him, stopped him from killing himself? Yeah, that scene is so, wow. Like when Beckett runs into the gate room and then Rodney runs in and they're all watching on the thing as John is like inching closer to being exploded um and yeah like you can't as much as I want to be angry at Rodney for being like you let Shepard do that after what Elizabeth like had to do um it's just so him I feel like it, this is gonna sound bizarre but in a lot of ways I feel like Rodney is the heart of the team and like I I don't know. I feel like he's in a place of privilege where he doesn't have to make decisions like that. <laughs> Whereas, um, you know, Elizabeth has to make the hard calls. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a ugh, just a tough scene all around, really. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'll continue this and then we'll go back to the next chat. But I was going to say. Or Elizabeth, because at the end she literally she's literally thinking she lost her girlfriend and her best friend. Like <laughs> my poor girl, she has to literally let go of all of her favorite people like in the span within the span of like 10, two seconds. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that literally sucks so bad for her. Um, I was also gonna say, is this John's like first reels fake death, aka suicide mission? Or technically, like, what else has he done this season? Like, have we gotten one? Or they're like, John. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you would count the Uber Wraith. Like, he going up against the Uber Wraith by himself. If that is really one, I don't really know. That's the only one I can think of on the top of my head. Okay. No, I'm going to count that. Okay. Let's see. This one's, this is tame. He's only done two now. To this season. We'll see how next season goes. <laughs> that number is going to rack up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> he just sacrificed himself for everyone. Um, Man. Oh, the mix up of it all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. The so long, Rodney. 
I literally wrote, get the fuck out of here. It all kept. Wow. I mean, the implications, those three words. Oh my gosh. There's so much in those three words. He's so annoying. <laughs> like, <laughs> the fact that he chose the word so long, Rodney. And again, you mentioned earlier, he said it so nonchalantly. And literally, Rodney looks up like, wait, what? Like, Rodney is like, not even thinking. Like, Rodney's still like, I can maybe fix this. John's 10 steps ahead. John's like, I'm gonna die. And Rodney's completely behind. And he just looks up like, wait, what? And he's like, Shepard, right? Or does he say John or Shepard? Uh, Major, I think he says Major. Uh, okay. Well, either way. Very <laughs> season one of them. Um, Very. <laughs> Major's his pet name in season one, which unfortunately gets taken away from us too too soon. Sad. Um, rip. Um, but yeah, and then for him to like, he, you know, then he goes to Elizabeth and he's like, why'd you let him go? Like, uh, uh, all the emotions are hitting him at different times. Like, at first it was just confusion, and then it was, like, slow realization, and then, it, like, it was, like, anger. Like, not obviously, like, at her, but just at the situation, like, little anger. And then it was, like, uh, because in the, I think in the Siege Part 3, we get the little clip of him. I'm skipping ahead of him, like, just kind of, like, sitting down, like, just absolutely defeated at, like, the console. Like, his head's in his hands or something like that. And he's just, like, you know, totally reached the, not acceptance. And then, he, no, first, no, even before that, he, like, kind of, like, reaches, like, bargaining or, like, where he thinks, like, oh, was that really, like, is it him? Like, is it, did he do it? And then it's, like, oh, he did it. And then he kind of, you know, accepts it. Not really. Um, but he went through all the five stages. He went through, like, ten stages in the matter of, like, ten minutes. <laughs> You know, and oh man, I really wonder, like in an AU, I wonder what would have happened um, when, um, if he, if John actually did die, what would have happened to Elizabeth and Rodney? Like what, how would they have like been okay with that? I think that would have screwed them over. And I, oh man, the amount of guilt all of them would have. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that he goes through a series of emotions because I feel like um, there's so much happening. It's like one anger at himself for not figuring it out faster. Like he thought he had it figured out, but it didn't work. And then a sort of anger at John, like, you couldn't wait five seconds for me to try and fix it. Like, you just, you decided right then you are going to take the nuclear option and leave. Um, when, like, you didn't trust me sort of thing. Like, you didn't trust me to fix it in time. I think you would be angry. And I think if John died, that anger would have just been a hundred times worse. At John. <laughs> because, like, hello... Because that's Rodney's thing, right? He fixes stuff. And he should know that by now, I feel like. Well, John should know that by now. Um, at the end of season one. And so, I think he'd be really hurt and angered by that. Um, yeah, anything to just not be sad about it. I think he would cast out for any sort of feeling besides sadness. And I, I love that you mentioned the part three. Because he's crying. Like, he's actually, like, tears in his eyes at that scene so yeah it's a lot Rodney I just want to squish him sometimes he's so cute oh no literally oh and I love like 
when his love um, <laughs> John peeks out, you know? For sure. Because um, you could just tell by this point, like, they have grown close throughout the season. Maybe not as close as, you know, they will be eventually. But at least consider each other, like, friends. And I just think it's so funny that, like, this is season one, right? And Rodney's literally about to lose his mind at the idea of John being gone. Like, he cannot handle it. Um, and I think it's so interesting that, again, we'll see that side of Rodney pop up frequently when John does his little suicide mission runs. Um, I think if John had actually died on one of, any of those missions, I think Ronnie would have been furious for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like he'd be so bitter. Like, he'd be such a bitter person. So would John, though, too. They're both bitter. Yeah. And Elizabeth wouldn't even be there to comfort him because she's so guilt-ridden herself. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, she would feel responsible. Even though, I think, in her heart of hearts, she knew, like, she wouldn't be able to stop him if she tried. But, like, still, that's her people, you know? The family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, this is so, this is so, wow. This is, we got so sad. <laughs> it's the, it's the found family vibes and the Shep, the Taylor Beth vibes hitting so hard. Um... Yeah, that's let, let's go to something fun. Let's switch over to all the Carson and Zelenka and Rodney vibes we got. Yeah, fun. I was family. just about to bring that up. <laughs> Me too. I love when their OT three shenanigans pop up because they are so fucking funny. It, it's it's amazing. It's it's so funny that after one season, um. Carson is still the <laughs> okay. No, he's not the second best fit for the chair, but they mentioned that all the others um are training the jumpers or deploying space mines or whatever they are doing. But they they don't have the time to sit in the chair, so so he has to do it, and he's still he's still afraid of the chair. So that's really funny. Um, and then I love the Rodney and Radic. Um scenes we got um i'm just jumping all over the place now but um i think it's either a bit early no i think it's a bit later when they are uh, in the control yeah it's when um everett says <laughs> um that the the scientists should come up with something now and um <laughs> of course then at first Rodney is super annoyed and then he and um Zelenka start bouncing off ideas of each other and just are completely detached from the situation already and just they are babbling on and just leave <laughs> and it's just I love that I love these scenes and it's so so much fun to watch them and work together and um this time there wasn't even any bickering I think in that scene in that particular scene but yeah I, I love that Ronnie and Zelenka were like on the same page the episode, which I love when that happens because again I think uh Tori you mentioned this before but they just turn into like uber mean girls when they're together <laughs> they just become one giant mean girl and they were just literally bullying Everett they're like just talking by themselves and Everett's like what's going on they're like on the stairs and they're like possibly and then they leave like it could possibly work like they're just so they're so clicky I love them when they get evil Oh, it's so cute. And I just love that, like, 
It sounds so mean. But I love when they're paired up with Carson and he just becomes like, I don't want to say they're punching back. But <laughs> they're so mean to him sometimes. It can be kind of funny. Like sometimes Will Zelenka will like stand up for Carson. So it's less of Carson versus two people. But in this episode, I feel like we got a, you know, we got all sides of their dynamic because they definitely were bullying him at some point. <laughs> and Zelenka was definitely being a little nicer to him than Rodney was at some point. I I love the scene when um when Carson is sitting in a chair and um I think it's when they discover that or when Rodney discovers he doesn't tell them um that the chair has only like a dozen um drones left and um Carson is still sitting in the chair like extremely tense and Rodney is just walking away and then Rodney comes into the shot and it's still this shot of Carson sitting in a chair, and in the background you see you see Rodney, <laughs> um, like already turning a corner, and then coming back and saying like, "Get him out of that chair" or something. It's just the way that it was shot. It was so fucking funny. Yeah, I love Zelenka being damage control in that situation. He was like, "See, it's not so bad being in the chair." After Rodney being like, "Shut up and just do what I tell you," to poor. <laughs> But yeah, like you guys said, I I, I like their bickering, uh, Rodney and Zelenka's bickering. It's so funny. I, I love the old married coupleness of it all. But I truly love when they're on the same page because they are so funny when they are together, uh, a single mind. Um, when they were kicked out of the meeting and they're commiserating on how the science guys are always like not thought of, but they're always the most important. It was so cute. Um, and yeah, like when they're, Everett was like, huh, what's going on? And they're like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Not even acknowledging his existence. It was insanely amazing and great. I also super loved how Beckett (laughs) name dropped Miko and was like, can't Dr. Kusanagi come and sit in the chair? And they're like, no, I'm tired. Get in the chair. You're here now. So. I just think it's so funny how Zelenka and Rodney always want Beckett to be in the chair. Like, this is their bestie. They want him to always be doing this for some strange reason. I don't know why. It was after the first wave of the Wraith, too. So I was like, aren't there injured people? Like, shouldn't Beckett be in the infirmary or something? Like, I don't know. Prepping to get ready for all the casualties? No. He needs to be working on this pet project with Rodney and Zelenka. That's where he needs to be. He's either sitting in the chair, forcibly, or he's <laughs> running to uh, get Rodney and Zelenka something to keep them awake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah! <laughs> that scene too! That is so bad. Like, oh my god, Beckett being their drug dealer is the worst thing possible because he will submit to their peer pressure so fast. It's so bad. <laughs> He puts up no resistance. Like, you know, and I love that part where the, where uh, Rodney's like, oh, like, uh, like, we called you here because we need another, like, stimulant. And Carson's like, I gave you one or something. And Rodney says something snarky back. And Carson goes, ooh, snappy. Or, like, he says, ooh, like, sassy or snappy? I don't know which one. Either way, it's hilarious. Because he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, okay, snappy. He's like, fine, I'll get you another one. But it's just so funny. <laughs> they boss him around. Unfortunately. Maybe he's a- yeah. Carson just like gets bulldozed by them. 
Maybe he's afraid that if he doesn't give them another stimulant, he's going to sit in the chair for so much longer. <laughs> They're going to take it out on him after. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I would love, um, you know, we always talk about it. I feel like eventually by the time we, you know, we get further in the show, I feel like we're going to have a fully realized ep of um, just Carson, <laughs> Zelenka and uh, Rodney centric episode um but i had you know we've talked about it before our ideas about it but i think what would have been really fun too is if it like carried this theme of like carson is constantly being bulldozed by them and maybe in this episode you know if they're out in the jungle fighting to survive it's just them three surprisingly like carson is the one who ends up like saving the day or getting them out of there like at the last minute and so they have this newfound respect for him and they stop treating him like <laughs> a little side piece <laughs> Um, we haven't talked about Elizabeth's insane negotiation skills yet, and her insane mission. That is a big one. He's fucking wild for that. Girl, they couldn't have said, like, I don't know, like, okay, obviously, like, Taylor, you know, or they would have maybe not wanted to send her, because she definitely doesn't speak for, like, the expedition, but in a perfect world, I feel like they should have sent Taylor, because at least she has like the fighting skills and stuff too if something goes south she can defend herself they literally sent in elizabeth with nothing no backup nothing she just went in willy-nilly like girl that could have ended horribly and like again i know they wanted a representative but did it have to be like the representative of the entire base like i get she wanted to emphasize like how important this was and stuff you know like hey i'm here like this is a big deal because i'm the leader and stuff but I just wish that, like, obviously, thankfully, nothing, like, it didn't go south. Nothing, like, super bad happened. But, like, they are so lucky because she could have really died down there. <laughs> she could have just been captured. And then what would they have done? Like, if Janai would have been like, yeah, we're just going to keep Elizabeth here. Sorry. Like, yeah, that would have added a whole thing. Wasn't that the plan initially to, to keep her and to trade her against all the C4 of Atlantis? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. Just, I think just the way Everett treated her, maybe she felt like, I don't want to say she felt like she had to prove herself, but I think she knew that she would be the most competent person to do that. And I think by the time she goes, they were... Was it after the second wave and they are just um, building up everything again and, and just strengthening their defenses or whatever? And um, she goes because she has, I don't know, maybe not that much to do right now. Um, and maybe she knows that she, yeah, that she can do it. I love that scene so much. Um, just she. She's being half dragged into that into that dark room, and she's blindfolded, and she stays blindfolded the whole time. Like, girl, she's she's negotiating blindfolded on this chair in the middle of a room with some guy who's standing behind her, which is creepy. Um, she's handcuffed. She has. She looks so. I think she was meant to look weak. And I think the way she sits 
the um, asymmetry of her sitting with kind of the foot kind of weird. And um, she looks like she doesn't have a lot to offer or like she's she's going to break or whatever, but she doesn't. She somehow, by being blindfolded, I feel like it was just so much more powerful. And she walked in there and it looked like she had a lower hand and she just she came out with everything she wanted and that's power man that's just that's just powerful yeah it's it's true strength um she did something that was literally insane but she knew she was the best this is her thing negotiation is her thing like this is her time to shine. I think she really needed that in this episode where she was being, like, put down and cast aside um, in a situation that was so heavily um, about violence. Something she could do with her words to change the tide uh, of fate, I guess, and skew things in their direction. Um, I love how you mentioned how she was in the room. I totally agree. The whole... She was so vulnerable physically... But you could not sense that in her voice at all. Like, she was in control of the situation the entire time. And, I don't know, it's just crazy. She's super badass. <laughs> super badass lady. <laughs> Loved it. It was great. Oh my gosh. And I think it's, oh man, it's testament too to, like, what she would do, you know, to save her people. Oh, oh it's so hard. I love her so much. Um... And again, not to drive the point even further because we do that quite often, but like I don't get how you can watch this episode and not be like, whoa, she's intense. She's the best. Like she's really putting her everything into trying to defend the city and save people, like even at the risk of her own life, you know, it's such a scary situation, <laughs> truly terrifying. Um yeah, I just don't get how you can watch this episode and not just be like, at least gain like some respect for her. <laughs> and I think it's another testament to her character that I think this episode or this situation, um, like the military coming in and taking over is her worst nightmare. It's what she fears. And we know that from home that she she's afraid of being replaced and especially being replaced by the military. And exactly that happens, and she still doesn't give up. She she looks for purpose. Um, she looks for a way to help her people, even though she had been cast aside and basically walked all over. And um, yeah, love her. She she deserves the world. Yeah, and even in the small moments, like she was definitely the farthest thing from a doormat you know like even whenever it was like you don't need to be in the meeting we're talking tactics she was like no I'm gonna be there and she does she goes to the meeting um and she makes sure that her voice is heard regardless of if people want to hear her or not and it's even in little moments like that where we see her strength of character that I just love I do love that I do love that and I just I love that like <laughs> Not to use this meme again, but it's very much like the get your fucking dog, bitch, it don't bite. Yes, it do meme of like her, but like with like 
everyone on like the base being the dog. <laughs> because like she brought John and she was like, I'm going to this meeting. What are you gonna do to stop me? Like I have like literally her guard dog basically is right next to her. John's like her loyal like soldier, you know. And I think um it would have been really interesting to see a, f- a full episode about um maybe the military coming in and seeing like actually the lines being divided and them trying to overtake Atlantis and her just being like you're not going to because all of her civilians would just come out and like defend her and stuff but I just I love that imagery of her stomping in to this little meeting and like it's honestly she's she's average height she's not it's not like hilarious it's like little Taylor walking in um (laughs) but it's like she still walks in and with John and she's like this six foot guy and she's like what are you gonna do about it let me in this meeting and John's like you gotta do she says man I'm like <laughs> I'm not gonna stand by your side sir and like with Rodney too like that little thing where again like he just runs straight to her and is literally fully like putting his back to Everett and not even like looking at him he's so petty for that so yeah I just love I just fam- found family vibes that are so strong in this and again just the fact that she has all this support and I think it's just through her actions too that she's earned it everything she's done for the expedition so far and people see that and so you know she gets loyalty in return and it's just a really nice moment um for, yeah for especially because you know i've been mainly mainly talking about the main three which is like elizabeth john and Rodney. but i kind of feel like it's kind of a culmination of almost all of their little arcs wrapped into one you know because you know we have that john and elizabeth were not getting along early on in the show they kept butting heads the whole um quarantine app happened <laughs> where he defied her or you know and she was real pissed about that but now you know he's fully on her side against the military by the way against this like institution he's been a part of for who knows how long at this point definitely over five years I mean, like five to ten honestly um and yeah and then you also get the little i mean maybe not as like um as neat as the John and Elizabeth one, but you have a nice little moment with Elizabeth and Rodney that, like, he, you know, you kind of see, like, he's grown. Like, I feel like if you just tuned into this episode after watching, like, SG1 Rodney, you'd be like, what the? <laughs> like, he respects her so much. He treats her so well. Like, he's so loyal to her. Um, and I, again, it's just a nice little culmination, uh, which honestly, I think this this entire like, three-parter is a really great end to just all the plot points in season one. Um, and it just it's so well earned and it's the payoff is amazing because it's earned so well said and yeah you're completely right but john he's like fuck chain of command unless it's elizabeth (laughs) Yeah. yeah and i love how it goes to show like okay there can be they can get into arguments and stuff they can disagree uh this goes for everyone like not just john elizabeth but like rodney and elizabeth are like Ronnie and John, but they're always gonna have each other's back against outside influences. Like, they're always gonna be like, no, that's my people. Which is great. Oh, I love family. that so much. <laughs> I love that. And again, I just think it's so nice to see... Sorry to go back to John. <laughs> but, no, I just think it's really nice that, like, again, we, we kind of see the contrast of kind of how he is and how he runs well I wish I could see more of how he runs the military on the base but like how he like conducts himself and 
like like what maybe he expects from the military as opposed to like the SGC who is just straight up like textbook and I just think it's nice again to see that the difference um because it is a big difference <laughs> it is a big difference and it's just nice to see that the show is more civilian based and even though there is military it's less of the super scary it's not exactly an institution on the base which i love it's just basically like a group <laughs> it's not everyone yeah it's really that sort of thing that makes me wonder like what was the reason that john decided to join the military i think i feel like so much of him is so uh like against structure um so that part of him is always fascinating me the why why <laughs> off topic I, but yeah no no, no 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 i love that topic i honestly i mean i know like fit kind of goes into it but i'm sure i don't know i like to obviously headcanon that it's definitely just to spite his dad yeah i agree that. that's a big part of it i think he enrolled to spite his dad and then he found some sort of he found what he was looking for in it. Like he found the found he found his found family. Or he found like um he found his like I mean not love, but like his like I don't know about passion either, but I guess passion for like defending people who he thinks are deserving or like helpless or like he, you know that kind of thing which i think is a parallel sorry we're just getting so it, it could you know parallel maybe his childhood that no one was there to protect him <laughs> i know oh, why is this so sad? <laughs> ouch just stab me next time okay yeah damn the knife it was sharp <laughs> oh a little like seven-year-old john like hiding at parties like hiding in like the closet or like just not wanting to come out closet literally before clean <laughs> <laughs> I wish just oh. having my snack right now and <laughs> <laughs> horrible timing <laughs> but, um, so sorry just choking on <laughs> it gives it's it's giving big uh serious and regulus black energy that's that's the vibes I get from his childhood maybe not as scary but those are the vibes. I can see it. From the way he is emotionally, too. For sure. I think I have only one more tiny note. When they bring in all their... Um, the rail guns and the shotguns and... Whatever. All that stuff from Earth. I was like... They are butchering my beautiful, beautiful city. What are they doing? <laughs> Atlantis, uh, Atlantean design is so pretty. Um, I know we, we came up 
or mostly Sam, came up with a beautiful alternative version of, of land, like much more Greek influences and um, stuff like that. But oh, I just we got such amazing shots of the city this time, and we got shots that there were um, that we didn't have like that or not that much before when they are exploring the city they are kind of zooming in and out um from different uh towers and places and you get really get a sense of how big the city is because you never you don't really notice how big it is if you just see it in a full shot and um yeah i i love that and those few shots of the city just fuming and and just like explosions and stuff i was like oh my god my, my poor city my poor baby i've gotten quite attached and uh, to her here on jumping puddles we stand atlantis as a city um i totally agree especially the one shot where it was just like okay like turn off the lights and like all oh, the lights in the city turn off. I think that was really, really pretty with like the purple hue. Oh, so nice. Love that. Worth every cent they spent on it. hundred <laughs> um, percent. In terms of effects, I also wanted to mention the, I don't know if we've ever said it before, but the wraith, the sound of the darts, like the screaming of the darts, particularly when they're exploding is so good. Like, it's so, like, ooh, sets your teeth on edge, like, nails on a chalkboard sounding, oh, it's, like, the best sound they could have for some sort of amalgamation of mechanical and biological ship crashing and burning. It's just amazing. It's so good. Honestly, like, just, I know we all kind of, like, tease about the whole space vampire things, Um, (laughs) I really do love, like, the design of the Wraith, and again, like, the sound their ships make, and, like, the insides, like, they just look very, like, very aquatic and yet, like, bee, I'm getting some bee vibes, you know, um, but it looks terrifying. Like, it looks like something you can find at, like, the bottom of an ocean, you know, something that, like, just been there for thousands of years and it just pops up and you'd be scared shitless. That's, that's the right. Um, yeah, there's, there's some really good shots. I think they flexed a little. They said, here you go. And I said, thank you. (laughs) I love seeing it. Yeah, um, we have one beautiful shot. I like it. And when we see the hive ships in orbit and you see all the darts going down, I think that's a beautiful shot. Or when we um, kind of follow the darts, um, like we see two darts and they are closing in on a city and you see kind of the the butt (laughs) of the darts. And that's so cool. Uh, yeah. And all the, um, like, during the fight scenes, when you see Atlantis um, kind of from the water and um, you just have all the explosions and all the firing and, and stuff, it's it's not fun, but it, it, looks, it looks so good. Like, yeah, they really poured every last dollar <laughs> into the vis effects. I don't know. Imagine if they had, uh, like, imagine if um, 
Well, we probably would have gone. Well, I don't know. Maybe we would have. But, like, if Atlantis and Universe had, like, switched, so, like, if Atlantis had come out, like, in the early 2010s, dude, the freaking... Imagine how gorgeous that would have been. Because, I mean, here's the thing. It's, honestly, it's, like, some of it doesn't hold up. But some of it still does. We have to, like, re- like you know, this is 2005 or 2004. And this show came out. So it looked pretty damn good for 2004, you know? Like, it looks amazing for that time. But then, like, you you watch the first season of Universe. Sorry, Atlantis. And you go to the first season of Universe. And you're just like, whoa. So much has changed in only, like, five, you know, six, seven years. It looks so insanely different. And so... Man, it would be so cool if they did a fourth show. See the Atlantis base <gasps> with its modern. Oh my! Very interesting. I would want it. I need it. I need it to look. Oh, that'd look amazing. If they could even spend like a fraction of the amount that they used to, you know, you could. I feel like we could get some really great shots also random we can cut this out but <laughs> i was re-watching uh, the pegasus project because i needed some clips for that vala cute scene pack um and i noticed something there's a shot so when vala is like first leaning over like the balcony and like daniel and like elizabeth run up to her and they're like me get back um there's this shot of the city that they only put in, like, or SG-1. I've literally never seen an Atlantis. And it's so beautiful. And I was like, y'all did not drop so much money. It's because SG-1 probably had, definitely had more money than Atlantis, you know. But, like, it blows my mind that that shot is just in it for two seconds. And it's just an SG-1 and it's never an Atlantis. And I was like, this shot is so pretty. I was like, what the hell is going on here? I was like... They, they didn't want to just, like, reuse the footage. Like, just throw it over to us on Atlantis. Like, throw us the scraps. But I guess not. Could the SG-1 team have not, like, shared this with the poor Atlantis crew and been like, hey, use this in your episode, maybe? Literally. Because it's a really nice shot of her, like, like, looking, like, kind of, like, from the balcony down there. And you can kind of, like, see, like, the waves, I think. In like you kind of see more of the inner city of Atlantis, huh. and I was like, <laughs> "Where is that shot?" Um, but no, they made up for it in this episode definitely because there's some really great. You really get a scope of how big the city is, and like kind of like what the, you know, the format and like the foundation of it is. Because obviously, like you, we spend most of the time in the tower and stuff, and like different towers. But we don't get a chance to really walk out into the concrete. You know, so at least these shots of, like, the wraith going through it kind of, like, showed you, like, oh, okay, this is, like, you know, this is a little pool over here. There's a little, like, the ocean is right here. True. I'm very sad there wasn't more pier scenes um, on Atlantis. They were probably expensive, but still. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you for for using that technology just for mixed chat, then. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I'll say, well, there's the Carson and Rodney one, but we don't talk about that one. I hate that scene so much. We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. I don't know. <laughs> so bad. Go, get the fuck away, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what Rodney would say. one is not even good. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was, I like that they built, like, a semi-practical for the McShep one. Yeah, me too. And I love that shot. Sorry, I don't know why we're talking about practicalness all of a sudden, but that one of, um, 
I love the behind the scenes of the one of them on the gate. Yeah. <laughs> the team's on the, the water gate yeah. in the shrine. There's the pictures of them actually on the little mini gate. It's so cute. So good. It's one of my favorite shots of the whole series for sure. Even though it's so fucking dark. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. Oh, it's so dark. I have to throw that scene in, like, for every, like, single Atlantis, like, family edit. I just think it's so funny. Just the picture of all four of them looking miserable in the cold and, like, <laughs> on top of this gate. Like, they're just stuck. It's one of the funniest scenes. It's so good. Anyways. Wow. I think we finally ended at a decent time. Well, no, it's been, like, an hour. Maybe two hours, honestly, right? An hour and a half. Okay. A little more. Oh, okay, perfect. Well, I think we can head over to Ash for the Bechdel test. Yeah, um, it passes, but barely. <laughs> um, Elizabeth and Taylor have that one. The balcony scene. Okay. That's right. it. Help. It's three sentences, not even full sentences, but yeah, it passes. And with that, um, season one, um, in season one, 13 out of 20 pounds. If we take, um, Rising as two episodes, which I did. Right. <laughs> because Rising fails. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, not bad. Oh, wow. More oh. than half. So that's good. Yeah. I can take yeah. that. Yeah. That's good. That's a lot better than I thought. And now it makes me really sorry. I know I keep just bagging on season two, but now I'm just really scared for season two because do Taylor, the animals do not have many scenes in that season like I, any I don't know I should remember but but I don't I was gonna say because all I remember from season two is like the little nod they have <laughs> that's it in conversion that's it I don't remember a single other scene oh well and then it's me with the behind the scenes material yay I think me. Okay, this one I really like because we talked a lot about this. Um, in a deleted scene from this episode, uh, we see Sora being returned to the Janai as part of their uh, deal for the Janai A-bombs. But this was cut due to time constraints. Being cut, it is unclear if the event occurred or if Sora is still being held. It is likely canon um, as Sora appears in the Atlantis Legacy series she's mentioned uh, being released after three months. I'm so angry that they cut this! <laughs> this is insane. This is like Schrodinger's um. Sora. If you don't... <laughs> is she free? Is she still in the basement? We just don't know. Why would they cut that? Because now we, we all thought genuinely for... We've been saying for the past few episodes that she's been stuck in the basement. I mean, she was, but like she now was. she's in the basement for the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah, it's really sad. Damn, that's a wraith. <laughs> I don't know what. We'll see how we feel. I feel like we might continue just keeping her in the basement for shits and giggles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next up, the zero point module mentioned in episode ZPM found in the Stargate SG One episode Mo Mobius Part One and Mobius Part Two. Uh, which is the same episode where the Daedalus is first mentioned. I like this little connection between um, Atlantis and G1. A. 
Um, this is the first appearance for the Mark II Naquada generator, which is capable of 600% power increase over Atlantis Mark I reactors. It was specifically designed uh, to power the Atlantis chair. 600 is a mm. lot. It is. Um, the scientist that directs um, uh, Zelenka to the nucle nuclear warhead um, on the balcony scene is the winner of the Sci-Fi Channel's Get in the Gate contest which is a contest you could enter to win a trip to Vancouver and a walk-on role on Stargate. This guy also played an Egyptian in the Stargate SG-1 episode Mobius Part 2 that aired the same night on the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh my god! Uh... That's so fun! <laughs> I'm jealous! <laughs> That's I so know. Good. Oh, I was gonna say. I actually thought that scene was really fun. Like, I liked that the two scientists were like standing next to Rodney and Zelenka, and they're like nodding, and like, that was a fun scene. It was really good. Yeah, and the one standing next to Rodney at that point, um, the woman, <laughs> she's shown later again when the scientists are being with weapons, which I thought was cool. So they reused one of right. the background characters. Nice. Um, this episode was dedicated to the memory of Bob Scarabelli, a visual effects expert who died of a heart attack at the age of 49 on September 7th, uh, 2004. Wow, that's so young. I know, I was oh. really surprised. And yeah, it was really, really sudden. The Athosian with whom Taylor is fighting in the beginning of the episode is James Bam Bam Bamford, uh, who is the fight coordinator for SG-1 and stunt coordinator for Atlantis. He previously played, yeah, he previously played eight in SG-1 uh, New Order Part 2. Huh. I love when they do that. They just throw in people who work on the show on yeah. the camera. Yeah. Oh, this is not in my notes, but <laughs> I got that from the um, audio commentary that when we see John holding the um, life sign detector, it's not, those are not his hands because, I don't know, they are they don't fit for some reason because they are too short. Like his fingers are too short or something. It's always someone else. I think it might have been Martin Wood's hand, but I'm not sure because I, again, I don't know his voice and there was another Martin. So yeah, <laughs> they do that a lot in like um, in film or series uh, when they they don't shoot the hand stuff or like the close up stuff in the same. Um, session as when they do like the face and full body and stuff. I think it's like second unit or something and they just come in later and reshoot those scenes. Um, yep. Wow. You know, now that you <laughs> mention it, it's funny because I thought the cuts to his hands were like weird. Like, I was thinking why are they spending so much time on this shot of him holding the life signs detector? So I guess <laughs> they wanted to make the oh. most of the hand actor. <laughs> So, do we ever see, like, Joe's hand? I, I wonder. I'm not sure if it's always or just this episode, but we can pay closer attention to the hand close-ups, yeah, I guess. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I need to know. Yeah. Um, moving on to goofs. <laughs> just two little things. Um, right before the race starts, uh, beam away the soldiers from the SG military mounted gun position. We can clearly see that the manned railgun has not been firing at the darts well before they started taking people. Oops. Huh. And uh, when the second wave of Wraith 
starts to send on the city, the control chair has not yet been powered up, and it was established that all the drone weapons were expended. However, during that scene, we ca uh, you can still see many drones flying up in the fray. <laughs> I just... Yeah. Oops. Maybe they were so maybe they were so proud of just the, the visual effects oh. they wanted to add them again. They already made the asset for the drone, so it might as well use it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then one fun thing that I got from the another fun thing I got from the audio commentary is that Chuck um was initially David Hewlett's stand-in, and the producers liked the way he read the lines off screen so much that they thought they had to hire him and eventually did that. Oh my god! I didn't know that. That's awesome. He wasn't Yeah, he wasn't planned to be in the show. Um and one of his lines in this episode was like in the first script it was Rodney's line and then they changed it so they could include him. Yay! That's so cute. I love that. Love that. We love Chuck here. Yeah, I love his like yes man to Elizabeth. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Plus one tiny bonus fun fact. Um Chuck is uh, his real name is Chuck Campbell, I think. Yeah. And fun fact that I learned, he didn't have a name for like a long time. And when he got and they didn't they just didn't give him a name, they do that a lot. Because I think it's easier to exchange them. <laughs> the actress then um but he got a name because um tori accidentally called him chuck in the scene and they just kept that oh <laughs> oh that's so <laughs> cute what yeah it's so cool how how much uh of chuck uh, we we got that wasn't planned it just kind of happened because he was there as a standard so the little fun fact <laughs> i wanted to uh, Ed, is that uh, Chuck and Claire Ranking, who plays Dr. Heidmeier, once played Romeo and Juliet uh, in in the Vancouver theater. Oh my god, my Canadians! My Shakespeare yeah. Canadians! Just, that's so much fun. I, I love that. And it's, yeah, I can't really see it. <laughs> no, I'm trying to picture, but... like, Kate and Chuck putting on a production of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, in Atlantis, like <laughs> they do, like a variety show. <laughs> oh my gosh! Chuck is oh such a god. theater kid. Oh okay. god! Can can uh Rodney be Chuck's uh dad or is Romeo? Oh, whatever. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll remake the play to include uh Chuck's dad, so Rodney can be his dad. <laughs> Lorne would a hundred percent be either Mercutio or what's the other guy's name? Vivolio? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's one of the other ones. He's a hundred percent into it. I know he's a theater kid. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's all I have. Oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Oh. Well, um, I think we're good. I mean, we can just go around really quick. Um, I'll just start us off. Um, no, I really love this episode. I feel like it might not seem like <laughs> I love it or like we love it because we didn't spend, you know, you know, super long talking about it. But we really do love this episode. It's really good. And it's just it's always fun to watch. Like, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where I watch it. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm bored. Like, no, there's always something where it's small, big, like it's just there's so many great moments hidden in this episode. Um, 
Yeah, I think I'd... Oh, oh, this is hard. Yeah, I might give it like a 10 out of 10, honestly. For like a finale too, like it, it delivers everything that I need to, for real. And I know this cliffhanger for people who like were watching it live. I know this hurt. I know this was scary. What a good cliffhanger. So yeah, those are my thoughts. It's an easy 10 out of 10 for me. I love, I fucking love this episode and I forgot how much I, how much I love it. Because I also, I, I often I forget what happens in which siege part. But this episode, like watching it for the podcast, it was amazing. I've, I've watched this episode, this was maybe my, I don't know. I watched it a bunch of times and I was still on the edge of my seat the whole time because it's just the tension is so good there are so many amazing character moments so many good relationship moments um or like friend like relationship on, on every level <laughs> and um and then the fucking cliffhanger what the fuck yeah it's a uh, amazing episode love it uh, well said sam and ash i totally agree 100 <laughs> percent um, love this episode for its, especially for its character moments and relationship moments. But, um, also, like, you mentioned, Ash, just seeing the contrast between the Atlantis expedition mentality and how they're run versus, um, sort of SGC mentality and how they're run and how that, the SG1 show is, um... And of course, the cliffhanger, which is such great thick material. You could just come up with so many scenarios. So much fun. Uh, yeah, 10 out of 10 for sure. Yeah. We have officially finished season one. Oh what? My God. That is insane. Oh my god, that's wild. I, yeah, cannot believe we've been doing this for this long. It does not feel like we've been doing it long. However, it also feels like we've been doing this forever. Yeah. It makes sense. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, we still have the Siege Part 3. That'll kind of round out um, this era of the Jumping Puddles. But... Our next era is upcoming soon, and we'll have a lot of exciting news and a lot of exciting new details that will come out and we'll get to share with you guys. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. If you've just joined us or been here the entire season, either way, thank you so much. We've been having a blast uh, doing this, and uh, this is just an excuse for us to hang out. So, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And yeah, that was our episode. Uh, so feel free to go down below in our description box and check out all of our social media accounts. You can find us Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter. We're all pretty active. Um, if you want to come check us out and hear what we say about the show on our free time um, or just our rants, <laughs> we do that. Um, but yeah, feel free to go ahead and give us a follow or just check out our other Jumping Puddles uh, media accounts if you want to keep updated with our current schedule and uh, definitely check that out in well, maybe like a few like a like a couple weeks we'll be announcing some special things by the time this goes up Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today bye, bye. all right you clowns listen up and i'll often get a chance to say this so savor it 
Good work, boys and girls. Let's go home.